As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. I want everybody to take a second and think about two facts. One is that if the Kansas City Chiefs win their next game, they will go to their third consecutive AFC Championship game. That's bonkers. Think about telling yourself four years ago that that was on the way. That's one thing. The other thing is that if that that three-peat sort of streak breaks for the Chiefs, It will be because the Cleveland Browns are going to the AFC Championship game. These are two franchises that only in the past could ever even remember what it felt like to not be clearly among the elite of the elite. They're facing off this weekend in a matchup that feels just very Midwestern, a, a good clash between a couple of fan bases who waited a very long time to find their their quarterback, their playoff their playoff teams, their playoff wins. And you know, maybe maybe the Chiefs will crush all those dreams for the Browns. TBD. But that's the matchup this weekend. Kansas City Cleveland. The eyes of America are on us. Welcome to Times Ours. Uh, playoff edition here on The Athletic. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. Guys, I remember to introduce ourselves this week because it's a playoff episode. Maybe we've got new people uh, joining on. Nate, do you feel like that was a uh, a proper introduction uh, for both the game and for this podcast? Well, first, good good day, sir. And uh, welcome to the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland, hey? Uh, look, I... <laughs> I think this is going to be... What accent was that? Um, I can't tell you. I, I, I'm going to... There's going to be a lot of voice inflections today. I don't know what we're going to see on Sunday. Um, because, you know, Kevin Stefanski is going to be back for the Browns, we hope. Uh, there's still a situation to work out with Sammy Watkins and his calf injury. But... It looks like Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to play Sunday. So we're starting to learn some details about how the game is going to look on Sunday afternoon. But um, it is really remarkable that Andy Reid could be the only coach in NFL history to say that he took his his team to the conference championship game and hosted it for three straight years. He did it previously with the Philadelphia Eagles, and now he has a chance to do it with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, this is a matchup that you get to this time of the year and it should look simple. It should be like, well, who do I trust more? Andy Reid or Kevin Stefanski, Patrick Mahomes or Baker Mayfield. But we do this every year where you get to the divisional round and you're like, well, anything could happen, right? I mean, anything. So, uh, the whole season for the Chiefs technically starts now, Seth. I mean, right, right. I mean, we all kind of knew this, like after the draft, <laughs> like like after they after they had a draft where we all could consider them to be uh, adequate and competent in their scouting abilities. Um, this has really been what it's all led to. We just didn't think the Browns were going to be the opponent that could be in the way of you know trying to become repeat champions. 
this this is the real season starting for the Chiefs. Um, the comparison I've made is for years when the San Antonio Spurs were, you know, really good. Greg Popovich talked about it all the time. Remember when he would like sit like, you know, on some random, usually it was like a nationally televised, yes. like big deal game. He'd be like, yes. you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit Parker, Ginobili, Duncan, and actually all of my players. And we, you know what? We're going to just pull up some guys from, our, you know, a D-League squad and play them. And I, I, we all know that he did that just to be funny, but they didn't really care about the regular season. They, they kind of cared about seeding, but not really. They just cared about getting to the postseason because obviously in the NBA, you don't have a bye week, which in the NFL, that's a big deal. It's a guaranteed win. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the rest. It's it's a guaranteed win. That That's how people have to think of it. Rather than a 75% likely win or a 60% likely win, whatever you want to say, it's a guaranteed win. The Chiefs have known all year that the goal is the playoffs. Um, their goal is to always win the AFC West. Travis Kelsey's talked about this. I know if like you asked Patrick Mahomes, you would never get an honest answer about this. But the reality is they they have been playing for the postseason all year. They knew they were going to make it. I said this last week. I got some pushback really? on my take. I got some pushback on my what? take that stop it. Yeah, I know me <laughs> on, on you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, social media. So I got some pushback on my take that Patrick Mahomes gets injured week one. The Chiefs still make the playoffs this year. I stand by that. Now, are they the one seed? No. But I think they still make the playoffs and go 11-5 and because they're a really, 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 really good team. Did you did you tell them that um, the AFC West didn't have a, a, a team above 500? Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they're <laughs> the Chiefs division. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, the, these these are important facts to take into consideration. But this is what they've been playing for all year, and now we're going to get to see whether or not the people that have been hopefully saying that maybe Andy Reid's playing some rope a dope with certain things, cough, cough, Clyde Edwards Alaire, cough, cough. It's really not doesn't work as well when you say cough instead of coughing. And you also could cough. Like this is an audio medium. You could have just coughed. Yeah, I know. Well, sometimes I get confused whether I'm writing or talking. That um, right, I, it happens. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> so you hear a lot all year, and and I think some of it is an excuse, honestly, for games that are just poorly executed or the other team does well. It's like, oh, you know, Andy wasn't throwing out any of his good stuff. It's like, well, that can't be true all the time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> eventually, you get to a point where it's like, man, Andy Reid never uses his good stuff. Maybe right. he should sometime. <laughs> right, and so. We are going to get a chance to see whether or not how much this team has been not holding back, but whether or not they they did save an install or two for their like you know three week break. Mm-hmm. They, they had like they had like half a training camp guys to prepare for the playoffs, and so I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. And no, I didn't expect Cleveland to be the one, but I'm glad that it is because yeah. you know what I, I like the fact that two of the four teams. In the that 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 could you know get to the AFC Championship, are teams with really good fan bases that are just downtrodden and have been for years. I mean, I, I don't mind Ravens fans either, but but Browns and Bills fans they've been through a lot, guys. Yeah, and and, and so I, this is kind of fun. You got like you know some old school teams, and I, I'm just I'm excited for it. The Browns, in my opinion, they're kind of like the Chiefs from a couple years ago, maybe the pre Mahomes era. Well, I I very much I'm very much glad for the, the thing that you just pointed out of of the Bills and the Browns and the Chiefs all being in the the final four of the AFC. Also, I had a brief um I I, I had a, a brief sort of identity crisis yesterday because I I knew the stat that Baker Mayfield was the oldest of the AFC quarterbacks remaining, but then I realized that I would also be the oldest of the AFC quarterbacks remaining. And that's a new one. That's a, that, that was oh, that's a new gonna, feeling. That's just going to get worse. It yeah. Happens, it happens fast, young fella. <laughs> it, yeah. It happens so fast. I was, I, I'm dragging this completely off topic. That's fine. I was doing, uh, back when I was still pastoring, I was doing marital counseling for a young couple that had been married. And I realized midway through that the, the, the gal was like, 10 years closer to my oldest son's age than my age. <laughs> that was a rough moment for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, oh, oh, no, you don't feel like you're talking to a peer. You think you're talking to like a grown up. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, and, no, is right. Yeah, yeah. Responsibility. It's, like, it's terrible. <laughs> and it comes at you fast, my friend. Like, you, like, 
You you like start going every time you stand up and just it, it's bad. But yeah, yeah, welcome to that. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, but uh, with with that identity crisis and that something that's going to kind of just be taking up like five percent, you know, of my mental capacity for the rest of the week, I can put I can push that to the back. It's going to be there, but I have I can push it to the back. Um, you mentioned a couple things, Nate, on the injury front that that. Uh, as we record this here early Thursday morning, there will be more information that you'll get over the course of the week. If only there was like a website and then maybe some like individual accounts from each of us that you could you could you could read in the athletic updates the rest of the week. And you could follow all of us on Twitter uh, at by Nate Taylor at Real MN Chusan at JB Briscoe for more of the information that will take all the way up to kickoff. But uh, as of Wednesday, Wednesday, Clyde Edwards Alaire practiced on a limited basis. And Sammy Watkins did not practice at all. No news on Mitchell Schwartz. In fact, Andy Reid said that he is, uh, they're taking it literally day to day, which was the magic phrase that yep. it, that essentially ended all hope of Eric Berry ever coming back. It's really, a, that phrase is more devastating than I think Andy Reid probably even knows to most of us. And uh, and that was the main thing. Rashad Fenton didn't practice. Willie Gay didn't practice. Fenton's noteworthy, I suppose, because we didn't know it was going to be a longer term thing. Seems mm-hmm. like it might be. But Edwards Alaire, Sammy Watkins, clearly the biggest news uh, of the midweek. What are you looking for the rest of the week? What do you expect from those guys? You sounded like you're expecting Clyde to play and Watkins not to. I am expecting Clyde Edwards Alaire to play. Um, my understanding is that uh, a limited you know, participation is easily just to sort of smooth him along to get him ready for game day. Now, you know, there may be a closer to a 50-50 split between he and Le'Veon Bell or he and Daryl Williams, depending on the matchups that the Chiefs want to, um, you know, sort of seek against the Cleveland Browns. You know, as we're recording this again, this is Thursday morning. Today is kind of the day as to whether or not Sammy Watkins is going to have a real shot to play. Um, we do have evidence in the past to where I believe Eric Fisher missed Wednesday and Thursday, came back on Friday, and then played against the New Orleans Saints and really gutted it out. So there's a chance you could see that with Sammy Watkins, but I know Andy Reid loves to have Thursday be kind of the barometer as to like, okay, Thursday we're usually going to be in pads to some degree. It is going to be somewhat simulated to what we would actually run, you know, in a game-like setting. Um, if we're playing on a, on a Sunday, which they are, you know, for the divisional round, um, I don't know about Sammy. And this is one little fact that, that fans have to remember. Patrick Mahomes has not played a playoff game without Sammy Watkins. And I thought about that yesterday and I thought about the impact that that has because when they run a lot of three wide and, you know, three, uh, wide receiver sets, you know, we can all see what they're sort of looking for in terms of mismatches, and it and it helps, I guess, ease the equation for Mahomes, right? Because you still have Kelsey on the field, and he's obviously you know a piece that gives them so many more options. But look, the team is not as dynamic with Sammy Watkins. We've we've said that a number of times. Statistically, it bears out. Um, whether you want to use analytics or just hey, how many points do they put on this actual scoreboard? Um, so look, Thursday will be important for Sammy. Um, even if he's a limited participant on Thursday, by the time you hear this, that is still encouraging news because you just want to, you know, I think Andy is is wise enough to know that you don't want to push guys so close to, you know, a playoff game where you're going to be asking more from them than maybe you would in like week seven, week 10. Um, Willie Gay is important. I don't, I don't know if Willie Gay is going to play like, and that is concerning to me, uh, given some matchups that we're going to allude to a little bit later, because they were in uh, Seth's article in The Athletic this week. And I felt like, again, week 17 was really not important unless your name was Willie Gay. He unfortunately got a high ankle sprain. Um, and so we'll see where he is. But like it ain't looking it's not looking positive at this moment um, that he would go. And for Mitchell Schwartz. One thing I would tell fans is, um, as Andy Reid says day-to-day, Josh, mm-hmm. even my heart was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that to Mitch. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Just don't. I, just just lie. Just, just, just lie. Don't, just like, so <laughs> he's not. Else. 
So, and Andy never does this, um, which should also give you a strong indication that you may not see Mitchell Schwartz the remainder of this season, however long yeah. it is. Um, Andy flat out said, no, he's not playing this week. Uh, he was not on the practice field today. He's still on the injury reserve list, so you would need to be on the practice field in a return setting. Um, and, yes, the team still has this interesting, you know, they st- they have a 52-man roster right now with obviously someone to elevate from the practice squad to be 53 if they, you know, want to use that player on Sunday, but it won't be Mitchell Schwartz. And I know that when I type day to day, like this is one of the true things that I love about fans and the job Literally in general. Day-to-day. Literally day to day. But when I type day to day and I know I'm going to hit that send button, I know the, re- I know guys, I know, but this is the job that I have chosen. This is the team that you have grown to love. Um, But remember day to day for Eric Berry, Actually, wasn't like it was bad. It was it was it was disastrous. Mm-hmm. He still played in the AFC Championship game, so I just want to remind people of that. Like, that's you know what? That's true. That he, that's that's a good that's a good point. I'm not sure that that. I'm not sure that makes me feel better. Yeah, day to day doesn't mean retirement automatically. Now yeah. you could play in the AFC Championship game like Eric Berry, and you could struggle. And then we haven't seen him in a football uniform since. Uh, I don't know if that will be the case with Mitchell Schwartz, but, you know, a heel injury off an Achilles injury is much different than a back injury for an offensive lineman. Um, I just, I don't see it happening, Josh. And um, the, their margin for error is getting tighter uh, because of the guys we've named earlier. And look, look, le- le- you know, a lot will be placed on Legarius Sneed now because, you know, if Rashad Fenton can't go, and he was actually pretty good in the playoffs last year, um, it's going to be Jarvis Landry against Legarius Sneed in a matchup that I really, really cannot wait to see. One, like, bit of just sort of uh, uh, housekeeping I pulled up. You're, you're right that Eric Fisher was was a non-participant Wednesday and Thursday of Saints week, full participant on Friday, and then obviously played. Um one thing that I would point out, sort of, you know, I'm gently, is that Eric Fisher and Sammy Watkins do not have the same injury histories. And the the difference between a back, you know, there there are several different types of back injuries that I seem to have affected Chiefs tackles, being Fisher, Rimmers, and, and then obviously Mitchell Schwartz. Sammy Watkins has missed games when it was just essentially why don't you sit out one more week so you don't get re-injured? Like that's just a, that's just a part of Sammy Watkins's career story at this point. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm not. It's hard for me to be. Uh, it's hard for me to be terribly optimistic about Sammy Watkins without seeing him on the field or whatever. So anyway, um, to, Seth, I, what, specifically, go ahead, Nate. Um, in, in regards to Sammy, real quick, in 2018. Uh, he played his best football literally in the playoffs, um, coming off a foot injury that was much was was significantly a, a bigger issue. The, the The problem was that injury occurred, I believe, in November, so he had more time for his body to heal. Uh, last year, he had hamstring injuries, but that was in the middle of the season. He was essentially ready to go uh, for the division round against the Houston Texans. This year is this year is different. He's older and um, I like to tell people all the time, if you have a non-contact injury, those things are just, they're they're a little more tricky um, to sort of manage the pain and obviously stay as, you know, loose and be able to have the explosiveness that you would need at the wide receiver position. So maybe a cap injury is a little different for a lineman and not the same way for like a dude who's supposed to like run a 4-4-40. Um, Seth, with all that being said about Watkins in the playoffs and how how his best moments have come in the postseason, how Patrick Mahomes has not played without Sammy Watkins, what what if he doesn't play in this game or you know down the road, whatever? What's your level of concern with how that impacts the Chiefs directly, and then also, uh, what what that might do? I guess let, let's say what that might do for the ceiling and for the floor of the Chiefs' offense whenever he's not out there. 
Um, I don't think it necessarily affects the ceiling because the ceiling is if Mahomes plays out of his mind. And generally speaking, unless you remove Hill and Kelsey, the ceiling is going to remain essentially ceilingless, for lack of a better term, if Mahomes is playing his very best. Now, if you remove Hill and Kelsey, even if Mahomes plays his very best, the ceiling is going to be lowered. Um, the So the, the floor, though, is a, is a more problematic issue. Um, the, the Chiefs have other guys besides Hill and Kelsey who have played well at times. Hardman's played well at times. Byron Pringle's played well at times. Robinson's played well at times. However, none of them have consistently um, shown up against really good competition. Although, I mean, it's kind of unfair. You know, Hardman had a, had, had some nice catches against like the Saints, although that he also had some drops. It, it, there's, there's, there, there's, a, there's a history there, and Hardman's kind of the wild card, right? If, if Hardman performs well, or if they don't have someone who can really match up well with him, then it shouldn't matter as much. You know, if you have one of those guys step up and they get a good matchup, Sammy's absence won't matter as much. The thing is they rely on him when teams play the kind of aggressive, grabby, obnoxious coverages that you see in the playoffs that refs let you get away with a little more, there's going to be more physicality. There's going to be more grabbing and holding and pulling. And Sammy is someone they rely on to be able to beat that one-on-one while teams bracket Kelsey and Hill. Because that's what smart teams do. They sell out to try to stop Hill and Kelsey. Um, Hill's a little harder to stop than he used to be because you can't just bracket him over the top. He might run some shorter routes, but what I expect teams to try to do is, you know, really be aggressive with him, hopefully, you know, for them, and then try to bracket over the top, make sure they don't get beat deep. And then in the meantime, try to hit Kelsey at the line of scrimmage and then have guys waiting for him to basically surround him. And that's, that's the Belichick model. Like I always say, if you want to know whether or not Travis Kelsey's a great player, watch the way Belichick plays him because he's terrified of Travis Kelsey. The the thing is, you can get away with that with really providing a lot of attention to two different guys if you can match up one-on-one everywhere else and basically leave guys on an island. With Sammy, that's harder for them to do. And that's why his importance to the Chiefs outweighs his production in a sense because it's more game-by-game importance and singular situation importance than it is an overarching thing, which sounds like an excuse for a lack of production for what he's been paid, but it is true. Um, you know, singular examples like against the Titans or the 49ers in last year's playoff runs, they they exemplify that. And if you end up in a situation where you don't have someone who can win those individual matchups and teams are paying a ton of attention to Kelsey and Hill, that does lower the floor of the offense because let's say Hardman gets really bothered by some physical coverage and you know can't get on the same page as as Mahomes. Robinson is back and forth. We've seen games where he wins consistently and forces teams to adapt their game plans and it really helps the offense. There's you can actually kind of track when Robinson has a good game, usually the offense as a whole has a really good game. And, and that's not necessarily just because of who he is as a player, but because of what it represents for the whole offense. So the, the, the answer to me is that the ceiling is about the same. The floor is where the problems could arise if you see a really good defensive game plan and good execution from the Browns. Um, do I know if they're capable of that? I'm not sure. They did just let Ben Roethlisberger's corpse throw for 500 yards on them. So <laughs> that's not fair. No, it's totally fair now that I think about it. <laughs> no, it's fair. And, 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 to be, and to be clear, I'm not predicting anything. The results against one team are not predictive against another. It's all about matchups. But I, I know uh, um, a great analyst, uh, Mark Schofield, had looked at some of their sa- their safeties and basically wrote an article saying, you know, and, and I wrote about this too, and I saw the same thing. He's like, you know, their safeties are more run-stopper types. And that's a rough position to maybe have be a little weak against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So you know what that you know what did. that you know what that tells me. Oh, that's just okay. We're in the middle of the field. It, it is a run formation. Two tight ends, folks. Um, play action. Tyree kill double move. Yep, you're gonna you're gonna see you are gonna see at least once you are gonna see a play action rollout with Travis Kelsey or another tight end staying back in pass protection against a defensive end for a shot play down the field to Tyreek Hill. 
You're going to see that. That that is that that is. If it doesn't happen, I will tase Josh again. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, hmm. wait. Without your consent, I'm pretty sure that's like second degree assault. So I think mind. it's. I think that's assault. I think I'm opting out. I think I do not accept the terms and conditions. That's, and you know what? Well done. Well done. You read them carefully. So it, it does raise the or it does lower the floor. At the same time, the Chiefs' offense is always going to rise and fall on first and foremost Patrick Mahomes, then Hill and Kelsey, then the line, and then Watkins in terms of ceiling. Um, and so it, it'll be interesting. I, I so I, I just. It does make me a little nervous, though, if the Browns really execute their game plan well. Sammy's a guy they've counted on to break things up. So I've got two stats that I've seen pop up this week that I want to get your take on, Seth, in that regard. And then we'll we'll talk a little, I mean, we, to get a little more specific even to the Browns. Uh, Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders tweeted out uh, yesterday that Mahomes has the best DVOA in, in football going up against five or more pass rushers. That's not terribly surprising. We all would have guessed that. Uh, 2020 defensive DVOA with five or more pass rushers. The Browns are 30th in the NFL. Also from uh, Max Rablowski on uh, on Twitter at Mafia Numbers, which is a pretty good. That's a pretty good uh, <laughs> Twitter handle. Um, the the Browns are also they are the uh, worst team in the NFL by EPA per play allowed whenever running when running cover zero. It oh, no. seems like they probably shouldn't blitz. They probably shouldn't blitz. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, and that's that's. But be also, such but a- then you go back to those safeties in particular. It, that feels a little bit like a uh, like a little catch twenty two to me. Like it's just like it just might be bad back there on Sunday. But what do you what do you make of that, Seth? Um, I think that's a really good number. I know you said you had two stats you wanted to tell us. No, um, it's it's the it's the EPA per play and yeah. the DVOA when blitzing. Ugh, sometimes I wonder why i try to think because i'm always wrong anyway that's, okay. that's all right we're, 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 we listen did that speed bump hit us a little harder the right thing than we thought it was going to yeah but is the is the car gonna be fine <laughs> sure is yeah the car the car is gonna be okay it may make so, a funky noise but keep going <laughs> so i uh that that is an interesting stat and sometimes two, you two know, interesting stats someone those say. are two <laughs> Gosh, I'll hit it again. Those are those are two. Oh no, one of the kids is bleeding. Um, And so you got to watch those speed bumps. Yeah, you don't buckle someone in appropriately. Suddenly, you blood flying everywhere from a nose. It's a whole deal. Cut your kid. What a weird. No, like they hit their face on a seat. Okay. Look, you'll get it one day. I'm telling you, you'll have five kids just like me. You'll be like, holy cow, they did hit their face on the seat. It's weird. So <laughs> anyway, th- those stats are interesting and you always got to contextualize those things. Everything is matchup dependent. Again, you know, results against other teams aren't necessarily predictive. But when you watch the Browns on film, their safeties do struggle in coverage to an extent. And that that can be explained, you know, because like with cover zero looks, you usually end up with a safety one on one against someone in, in man coverage because you're not they're not playing zone over the top. And I don't think they're going to probably do a lot of that because that has not worked well against the Chiefs in general. I, I think their best shot is to say, all right, we have Miles Garrett. He's a mutant. Let's hope he wins his matchups and we can force them to do some things like what we did against Pittsburgh where they, they did a really nice job. And, and the broadcast, I was re- I was very pleasantly surprised by this, kind of went into it how they were they were they were planting Miles Garrett on one side of the line and shifting their yeah. defensive tackles over. It was that was and, fascinating. I forgot about that till just now. But yeah, if if you didn't see it, basically they they were super unbalanced defensive lines because they knew that Miles Garrett could take care of like half of it, which is bonkers. Right. Well, they knew the Steelers weren't willing to not utilize the guard in helping against Garrett. Right. And so it's what crazy. that means is you that, that if he's way off to the side, that means you've got three isolated one-on-ones with plenty of room to work for the other guys. And, and they were able to get pressure time after time. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be as willing to sacrifice that. They've always trusted their tackles. And I think they'd be more inclined to send a little help with a running back or a quick bump from a tight end or just, you know, roll pad out. Because there are a few things the Chiefs can do with rolling pockets and bootlegs and that kind of stuff that the Steelers just can't do because, again, it's Ben Roethlisberger's corpse. And so you can't, you know, hey, Ben, roll out. Roll what now? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's not going to happen. 
And so there's some things the Chiefs can do to counteract that. But if you're the Browns, your best chance on defense is to rush four or three and hope that your defensive line wins because that's what has worked against the Chiefs. Unless you're the Falcons and then you can blitz and somehow it works for the first time in a year and a half against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. So maybe they'll try to run some of the things that that Sutton did. Um, those, Those are some weird looks. But other than that, I think their best chance is operating that way because you really don't want to leave that secondary on an island. Because outside of Denzel Ward, you know... Who could come back? Their secondary isn't great. Yeah, so Denzel Ward could come back um, this week. We should acknowledge that. Their best DB. Um, Yeah. We've been really bad at mentioning other teams' injuries just over the course of this year. That's a 2021... That's our resolution. We're going to try to tell you... (laughs) About other teams' injuries, Denzel Ward. We just good. didn't mention. We didn't mention Michael Thomas, the the Saints' week, and he didn't play. Well, he had, oh he yeah, hadn't played in like a. Uh, speaking of somebody who the whole season came down to the playoffs, hello, Michael Thomas. Yeah, welcome back. Um, <laughs> we've had a lot of fun this year. Welcome to the playoffs. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, we will we will do better in twenty twenty. I wouldn't say that we will. We're going to try to We're going to try. We're going to always emphasize the effort. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the thought that counts, right? Yeah, more or less. Sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers, as I mentioned in the last episode, a little stuck in their ways. Can we get Le'Veon Bell on the screen? Uh, yeah, I don't, the Chiefs don't really throw their running backs anymore. Nay, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've been kind of keeping up. Well, it's, but a, it just it's, it's the playoffs now. Any, anything's on the whiteboard. <laughs> Can we? You know, there was a couple times earlier this year where they had McCole Hardman do a jet sweep motion, and then Tyreek Hill would do a jet sweep motion, and um, that would make Miles Garrett have to think for a second as to where the football may go. Um, there are there are specific ways that the Chiefs can at least not make it such a burden on Mike Rimmers, because that's essentially what this comes down to. Um, the Chiefs signed Mike Rimmers to be better than Cam Irving was last year. Not knowing at the time that you may have to use your swing tackle for the majority of the year because your all-pro, you know, right tackle uh, could have a severe back injury. So um, I assume uh, the Browns will put Miles Garrett a lot of times uh, next to Mike Rimmers, and the Chiefs are going to have to, like Seth mentioned, roll out. They're going to have to be creative, um, particularly in short yardage situations. Great and, song, too. Huh? Roll out. Sorry. Got distracted there. Luda. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, come on. <laughs> you're so old. Um, don't disrespect Luda, Josh. Song I don't. <sighs> what is, well, who is it? What's, what is this song? Roll out. Ludacris? Anything? Oh, no. Sorry. Man, I'm old. Who is he? Stop it! <laughs> oh, he's the guy the, that he had a verse in. He had a verse in the, uh, the, Justin Bieber song. Yeah. <laughs> See, now I you're always, just trying to bug me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He had a prominent role in Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, also important. I would just say that they 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 are going to be creative. They're obviously going to have they're obviously going to have shot plays involved. We're obviously yep. going to see something that we haven't seen all season. Which again, my I'm favorite excited. time of the year, Andy Reid in January, where it's like, hey, there's 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 no there's no tomorrow if we lose. Okay, cool. Then, like, where are my best six or seven plays? Um, I also mentioned this when it comes to Miles Garrett, Seth, because 
Um, I'm just here to provide details. These these like kind of minor things that ended up playing bigger roles uh, in last year's championship run. Um, Patrick Mahomes told me that he's healthier this year than he was entering the playoffs last year. That Whoa. makes that makes sense because he was still dealing with you know a dislocated kneecap. <laughs> That was mostly fine, but it was dislocated at one point. Um, and remember, we were asking questions after the Super Bowl, like, hey, man, you go have surgery? And he was like, no, I'm good. And I'm like, are you human? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so he told me um, that he's healthier entering this year's postseason than the previous two. Obviously, as a first-time starter, your body mostly gets beat up because you're like, wow, we really do play 16 games back-to-back. Um and then last year, obviously, he dealt with the injuries to his leg and, and dealing with the ankle. So he's healthier this year. Um, as I wrote in The Athletic on Wednesday, he led the team in rushing against the Texans and the Titans. And so if we know if we know the Browns aren't good at blitzing, right, if we know that they'll probably play more coverage-safe tendencies like hey guys um quick tip don't be in cover one don't do it don't don't yeah don't you do that stop it yep like don't like the chiefs had to remind the Tampa Bay buccaneers that no one should play cover one ever again okay as long as those guys are on the field tyreek hill travis kelsey sammy Watkins, whatever so they should play cover two and play as far back as you need to given the safeties that we have you know alluded to so that means you may get man under, which means DB's backs are not to the quarterback all the time. And if Miles Garrett is involved, Patrick Mahomes may use his legs more than usual. That may lead to more rushing yards for Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes may lead the team in rushing on Sunday, and it wouldn't surprise me because he understands the circumstances of this is an advantage that I have based on what I don't particularly want to do a ton in the Regular season, because, you know, 16-game sample size. I'm trying to make it to the next week. I'm obviously trying to, like, get guys involved. But, like, when it comes to playoff games, you can you can scramble more than usual. <coughs> Lamar Jackson, terrifying. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying Patrick's going to do that. But remember the run against the Titans? Like, he's capable. Oh. Um, so, I just keep that in mind. If the Chiefs are covered even better than some anticipate, including us, the Chiefs still have an advantage because Mahomes may scramble out of the pocket more than he would than previously earlier this season. Honestly, I'm still just sort of feeling the shockwaves from the fact that this show has had an NBA analogy and a direct just sort of like hip-hop reference, and they both came from Seth. Yeah. Like, really, I've been thinking about the Spurs-Popovich thing for like... 35 minutes <laughs> and both and listen the i, I looked at uh, rollout came out in uh in 2001 and that spurs reference was from a similar window in time so it tracks sort of timeline wise but i'm just genuinely 16 year old me really really soaked in everything yeah and happening. brought it back out for the podcast how, yeah, I mean, uh, you know look, womp, you, womp, womp numbers of years later when you get to these one game winner go home it, it does make people do strange things you know <laughs> it really we, does. We, we, we've seen those... it before where you know it's you're so like weird. this is this is uncharacteristic of you but you feel the That's pressure right. of the postseason it's it's understandable absolutely absolutely uh, i i really just on, on a side note the the scrambling factor I wrote about this um, on on the newsletter with regards to how it's really an underrated trait of Mahomes, and I think more people are starting to notice it and that sort of thing. He really he he utilizes it um, in such a way that he he really should be talked about, and he's not as one of the best two or three scramblers in the NFL, if not maybe the best because of the way in which he utilizes it. Um, you you hardly ever see him lose yards on a scramble. You hardly ever see him do it on a play where he should have taken a shot downfield. It, mm-hmm. it it happens constantly on backbreaking plays, and I very much believe that the Mahomes scramble for twenty yards on you know third and ten or third and fifteen when you covered everyone perfectly and got pressure. I think that's probably the most disheartening play in football for defenses mm. maybe other than you know a bomb 60 yards down there or whatever yeah. but you did everything right mm-hmm. 
and they got a first down. And this dude who just and and this is man, I don't want to catch heat for this. Mahomes does not look particularly athletic when he plays, yet he somehow is out here juking guys that he, that you wouldn't think he could, but he does. And that's got to be annoying for a defender. You're like some safety that's like, I'm going to catch this guy. Hey, where's he going? And, <laughs> it, and it happens constantly. And so it's it just that that is an underrated facet to look at. I've forgotten that he had led the team in rushing against Houston and Tennessee. Um, and, yeah, I, I think we're going to see more of that. I'm just excited. It's been 21 days, guys. But mm-hmm. by the time the game comes around. Mm-hmm. That, like, and, and, and you're right, Seth. I mean, look. Mike Vrabel is a really good coach. They roll the, the Chiefs roll the plus side of the field, and he actually doubled Travis and Tyreek on the same play. Yep. And and then he ran for twenty seven yards and a touchdown. And literally, um, that was the conclusion of the two thousand nineteen uh, Tennessee Titans season. <laughs> oh yeah, it was over. And so I'm just excited to see more moments like that. I don't know. And I just. I really just want to see them throw the ball to the running backs again, Josh. I can't believe you brought that up. Yeah, just, <laughs> like, throw, throw them the ball. Like, this, this if, if Andy Reid, and we won't get into the whole thing, but if they really want to even remotely justify the investment in running back in the first round, even just a couple games in the playoffs where it genuinely makes a difference, that should, that'll be enough for most people. It'll assuage the whatever angst i guess and but if you hopefully don't it'll bring hopefully to bring you two together you know i've been counseling I, you honest, guys all season and uh for the for the for the future of this of this bromance i i yeah. i agree <laughs> we should we should get andy reed to call more plays for planet for, 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 for the podcast andy right Just for, for the podcast. <laughs> i i think you're i think you're right seth i think if if Let's go. I'm looking ahead, obviously, right? All right. Knock on wood. If they lose to the Browns, this isn't my fault. But if the if if they get to the Super Bowl and and Clyde has a game where he he you know runs for a hundred yards and averages right. six yards per carry, gets a touchdown, catches another touchdown. Right. If he does that in the Super Bowl, nobody else could have done that in recent years for the Chiefs. No one has done that in recent years for the Chiefs, and I think that would justify it. <sighs> Oh, that's what Damian Williams did. Damn. Oh, man. Uh, You know what? That's on me. That's egg on my face. I'm real sorry, guys. I don't even... 6.1 yards per carry. Man, I got close. I don't even... Just off the top of my head. Anyway, I think you're right. I I think Damian Williams should have been Super Bowl MVP. I'll say it. I think anytime you put yourself in a position where there's literally no possibility you could be wrong, you're probably always... (laughs) Probably always in the right spot. Oh, so it's my fault that I'm always in the right? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I've never been wrong, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> See Andy for the pod. Please. Although although Josh is already setting himself up like literally like like Clyde Edwards Alaire could, you know, run for four hundred and sixty yards while dragging the entire defensive back. And Josh would be like, you know, but you know, statistically speaking. I, anyone could have done that with those holes, which might be true, actually, considering the way the running back position is played. I, I listen. We can have this. We can talk about it again in the offseason. We can hit snooze right now and and pledge that we can we can revisit it in the offseason if we want or whatever. We've got one of those offseason pods that we need a nice fifteen minute topic on. We can circle back, but in in the meantime, I would like it if they would at least throw the yeah throwing the running backs would be fine, even if it's. Le'Veon Bell or Darwin Thompson or Daryl Williams has caught some pa- I don't know. I imagine we'll see more of that in the playoffs, though. Um, specifically to uh, to kind of point back to your story up on the Athletic right now, Seth. Is there anything else that you think? All right, if we're gonna, if I'm gonna kind of give away one more element from this uh, behemoth of a story that it's again up on the Athletic right now, uh, Browns Chiefs matchup analysis from Seth. Is, is there one other element right now that you are? Let's say the one that that makes you either most worried or the thing that you think, you know, the Browns really do have a chance of pulling off to kind of build their their upset case? Sure. I, I think the Browns are strong in a couple of areas that the Chiefs have struggled to deal with this year. Um, Hunt and Chubb's abilities uh, as receivers, particularly Hunt. Uh, Chubb can move with the ball, but he's not as gifted a receiver as Kareem Hunt. But I mean, the Browns are salivating at the idea of Hunt in space against Anthony Hitchens or Damian Wilson or Ben Neiman um, because he not only is faster than them 
and runs really good routes. He's also incredibly difficult to tackle in space, even for those guys. Um, he, he really is. Kareem Hunt is, is a top five gifted running back in the NFL. Um, people need to remember when he was with the Chiefs, he was arguably the best running back in the league. Um, and it's, it's not like that talent just went away. He, he's a he's a genuine freak in terms of explosion and, and strength and bounce through contact. And Chubb is somehow like better. And that's hard to do. Um, the Chiefs have struggled defending passes to running backs. Like it hasn't been as bad as it could be in some games, but you we've seen it. And those guys, that's one way that the Browns could dink and dunk their way to big plays, right? You know, a little dump off for five yards turns into a 60-yard touchdown. Nick Chubb does that all the time. I mean, not literally all the time, but pretty frequently, more frequently than I'm comfortable with. And Hunt is more than capable of doing that too. Um, I And it's not just that. They have the ability. Um, Austin Hooper is, is a solid tight end who could take advantage of individual matchups with Dan Sorensen in a way we've seen other teams do it. Uh, Jarvis Landry is a guy who works very well after the catch. And the Chiefs have at times this season, depending on who they've got on the field and what's going on there, they've at times struggled to deal with quick throws to the middle of the field, closing, tackling, finishing. And now their their cornerbacks are healthy now, except for Fenton at this point. I think Sneed helps a lot in terms of overall group speed and tackling ability. Man, he's been good this year. Um, But I can see a scenario in which Jarvis Landry ends up alone in space against Juan Thornhill, who is still coming back from that ACL. We talked about this, you know, mm-hmm. last week. He's not as quick as he was. He's not as explosive as he was. Or against Dan Sorensen. Or, you know what I mean? And th- those are can be problematic areas that where Cleveland doesn't necessarily need to threaten the ball down the field to get big plays with the way they play the game. And I think some of those things happen to match up against some things that the Chiefs have struggled with at times. And Willie Gay not being out there is, is less than ideal for that situation. Um, in terms of when the Chiefs are on offense, things that might concern me or that kind of stuff, that, and this is not to sound unkind to the Browns' defense, basically, like every other team, you got to hope you can rush with four, cover really well on the back end, and then just hope that Mahomes doesn't have a great day. Because sometimes it doesn't matter. Like against the Saints, you can do everything right, and they're still going to hang 30 on you. But... It's mostly a matter of hoping the Chiefs shoot themselves in the foot because the Chiefs have gone through stretches this year where they have not continuously executed the way that they should throughout the entirety of the game. So you can hope that they're like that for a few quarters and then you play really well during the rest of the time. Seth, I know you've got a, a sort of schedule for this morning. What I just need to know, it's produce on the fly. What is your ETA of getting gone right now? Nah, I, st- I, 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 still, I still got 15 minutes. I'll be all right. Oh. Look at that. All right, let's take every single moment of it. Uh, I want to ask both of you guys about something that will be a refresher course for some people. And and you listen, you know what? Here's what I'm going to say, actually. Let's let's start this bit from the top in three, two, and here's the bit. Listen, Seth, you mentioned a lot of things, and you said a lot of words about a lot of football items that the Browns could do to play football against the Chiefs. However, what you didn't mention was the very clear and obvious thing that the Browns need to do it's that they need to control the clock. Stop it. They need to win time of possession. <laughs> they need to establish the run and ground and pound. Is there anything that either of you have written on theathletic.com, maybe in collaboration with our friend Ethan Douglas, who joined the show a while back? It's worth re-listening to that episode now if you're feeling like it. Is there anything that maybe the three of you wrote as busting that myth of uh, of controlling the clock, quote-unquote, mattering to the Chiefs. Seth, do you have any counter-argument to that? I know you don't, because what I said is right and true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no joke. Yeah, we've already established that, that if, if it's your side of things. I don't know why I would try to refute it. Um, it's, but it's all, Seth, it's also it, it, football. It's, it's all, a it's, physical game. You got to control the clock. And, Just ask Pete Carroll. Ask so Pete, here's, Pete Carroll, all right? Here, See what he thinks. Here's what I would say. I'd be is it, Pete Carroll. <laughs> is it possible for a team to? Oh man, <coughs> sorry, I'm allergic Gazoon to BS. Time. Um, <laughs> sorry, hey, Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll might hear. <laughs> Chill. So, 
So is it possible for a team if to... If you were allergic to BS, you would be in hives 24-7, wow. not just while doing this podcast, wow. but at all times. Man. See, these are the reasons why I have people DMing me like, hey, are you and Josh okay? And I, I, and, and, and lately okay. my and, answer has been like, I don't and, think so, guys. I don't think and so. And I would be in a coma. <laughs> Way to All go. Right. Way okay. to redirect it. So here's what I'll say. Is it impossible for a team to control the clock against the Chiefs? No, it's not impossible. It just hasn't really been done in any of the times the Chiefs have lost. And this is one of the things we wrote about with, with Ethan, Nate, myself. Mm-hmm. I looked at every single loss that the, the Chiefs have had throughout the Mahomes era. And the, the big thing when you're talking about and we talked about this in depth, but we'll just do a quick refresh course. When you're talking about controlling the clock, you always give the ball back, barring a turnover. And so, yes, let's get that out of the way. Turnovers, super important. If you control the clock because you got four turnovers or me, I don't know, five. Yes, that's super important. However, the, the main reason to control the clock is to oh, keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. He gets the ball back every time, guys. So the only way you can really keep the ball out of his hands is not to limit the time he has the ball, but the possessions he has the ball. And if you look at the Chiefs' number of possessions in their losses, it's, it's around 11.1, which is basically the NFL average during that time span. So that's not how teams beat them. Teams beat them. The Chiefs averaged in their losses 31 points. So it's not like th- that. That's not the way anyone's beaten a healthy Mahomes. The the one time you know you have you know 2019 against Indianapolis against Houston where he was still kind of playing on one leg, especially against Indianapolis. But even then, that 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 was that was more the issue than anything else. And so a team could do it, but what you have to remember, it's not just about the Browns running the ball successfully. Their defense has to stop the Chiefs. And, and the the example you give is this. Um, let think about the first scoring drive the Chiefs had in the divisional round last year. You know, McCole Hardman had a nice return that got them to the midfield. So that's the other thing. You have to control special teams, right, to control the clock. It's not just about you running the ball on offense. You have to make sure they don't get a big punt return because that shortens the field and allows them to speed up possessions. They scored, I think, three plays later. That's what the Chiefs are capable of doing. So you can have this, you know, oh man, this nine minute grinded out drive where you, you know, score, or maybe you get a field goal, right? You grind it out for nine minutes. Hey, very successful. And then the Chiefs score two plays later, a touchdown. Now what that's done is two things. It's sped up the game because it was a quick score and it scored more points than you did. The way to beat the Chiefs is to score more points than them. And keeping the ball out of the hands, quote unquote, it's just never been the way to beat them. Ever. Seth, Seth, we need to say by any means necessary. Any means necessary. Doesn't necessarily have to be running the football on first and second down. Just right. get points any way you can. Yep. If and- you have to blitz this man to oblivion, if you have to punch <laughs> the ball out instead of tackling because yeah. you get a turnover that way, that's the risk you have to take. Any means necessary. Sorry, Absolutely. And that's and that's what like the Colts did in that game. They kept man, Sammy got, Sammy Watkins got the ball punched out from him a couple times that game. And they just said, any means necessary. We gotta get rid of the football here. We gotta get it back. And so it's just important to keep in mind this idea of the Browns controlling the clock, or it, that that's a wrong-headed way of thinking about it. You gotta think about it in terms of controlling possessions. The clock doesn't matter except in the way it affects possessions right? It doesn't matter if you controlled the clock, but each team still got 12 possessions because then you didn't keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. Does it make sense the way I'm explaining this? Because I feel like I'm constantly re-explaining this. And all that matters is number of valid possessions, opportunities to score. Time doesn't really matter there until you enter like the final seven minutes of the fourth quarter. So that's that should be the goal. And the problem for Cleveland and every other team that goes in with that goal in mind is to do that, to limit the, the possessions. Not only does your offense have to have very successful drag out the clock drives, which is very hard to do, right? Because eventually you're going to have a one yard gain on first down and then a three yard gain on second down and it's third and six. You're going to run the ball again? And that's best case scenario. Usually what happens is you end up getting stuffed twice in a row and it's third and 10 or third and 12, or you get a holding call and now it's first and 20. You're going to run the ball. That's what happens. And so not only that, which is very hard, that's why sustained drives are unusual. 
Um, the average time of possession for a drive is like a couple minutes. It's incredibly hard to do that. Not, but not only you have to do that thing, which is incredibly hard against a defense that isn't great, but isn't terrible either in the Chiefs. But then you also have to control special teams, not give up a single big play on special teams. And then this is the hard part. You have to stop the Chiefs consistently by either forcing them to go on long drives or forcing them to go three and out. That's a lot of crap to get right. But yes, yeah. if they do all of those things, they've got a great shot at winning, but it won't be because they limited possessions. It'll be because that means their offense played great, their defense played great, and their special teams played great. The only thing that I would just like take a highlight or two that, that is something that I, you know, I feel like this show, it was was pretty early in the uh in the, hey, this is a bad narrative, you know, d- d- division. But the one thing that became, again, you, you mentioned this already once, but just again, to drag a highlighter over it. Even if you do all the things you just said, and, and you're thinking about it in terms of number of possessions as opposed to time of possession, that moves the needle incredibly small amounts. It essentially keeps the Chiefs at NFL averages of number of possessions in their losses. It even even in the smarter way of talking about it, what I, which I I mentioned that you know I feel like we were ahead of the curve on a lot of those things. It, it I I needed that part explained to me and and shown I'm like oh yeah even if you even if you do everything that you just laid out as well as you can, you you're probably talking about one fewer possession. It's not that you're cutting them in half. Something that that Ethan said on the show. We may have said it whenever he was on 810 with me. Either Something that Ethan said was, you know, you say that if, if you're going to shoot with Steph Curry, you have a three-point shooting contest, you would rather shoot one shot than 100 because you're definitely going to lose out of 100, but there's a chance he misses his and that you hit yours. But it's, if you're trying to run the ball a lot and you, you're not a team that's doing that at the same success as you're throwing, you're throwing it, uh, you're, you're shooting left-handed. And more importantly, it's not a difference between 1 and 100 shots. It's a difference between 10 or 11 shots. And I I, I don't think that, that that has fully sort of set in for most people, even that have kind of figured out the time of possession sort of meme as it has become one. Um, uh, but I do think you explained all of that well, Seth. I do think that people who want to understand that probably can now. Um, Nate, is there anything that you would add to that particular part of the conversation? Yeah. Um, we always have to remember, and this was in the article as well, we have to remember the last time the Chiefs lost a playoff game because that's how this narrative truly got started. Um, it was the 2018 AFC Championship game. Um, the New England Patriots won 37-31. Uh, they held the Chiefs scoreless for an entire f- half. So put that in the Browns formula. Can you hold the Chiefs scoreless or hold them to less points than they're expected to score for a, for a half, whether it's the first half or second half? Um, to have some statistics that back up everything both you fellas have just said, um, the Patriots controlled the ball for 44 minutes. And so, in simplest terms, you could say, wow, they held the ball more than the Chiefs, which gave them an opportunity to control the tempo, to maybe score more points, and clearly keep Patrick Mahomes, the most talented player on the field that day, off the field. The issue here is that, and it re- and this is translatable to what we're going to see Sunday, because this sets up some really fascinating things with Baker Mayfield. The reason this narrative got started is because Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of his generation. Like, irrefutable. Like, he unassailably is a great defensive coach. So, for a half, he confused the Chiefs. He, the, the, The Patriots were more physical. They ran some interesting stunts. And it only worked for a half. <laughs> um, the quarterback, of course, is Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback who's ever played the game. Um, and this is what Baker Mayfield might be asked to do, which is so hard to do it in just your second playoff game, but it is to control the tempo, but be extremely efficient on third down. So the Patriots ran the ball 48 times in the AFC championship game in 2019, fellas, 48 times. You know what their average yards per rush? It was 3.7. They were actually more efficient throwing the football. 
46 attempts, 30 completions, 4.6, or excuse me, 7.6 yards per pass. And this all leads to, and I know, I know, I know, I know, Baker Mayfield is going to have some third and tens the same way Tom Brady has some third and tens. It occurred in the overtime because the Patriots won the coin toss. It's third and ten. What will your quarterback do when last Seth said you don't get it right on first and second down? Um, Baker Mayfield has made vast improvements under Kevin Stefanski. Um, They knew their opponent. I'm really interested to see what Tyron Matthew does on the back end to try to give some confusion to Baker Mayfield and knowing that Baker Mayfield doesn't have Rob Gronkowski and he doesn't have Julian Edelman. He has guys who are capable, obviously Landry and Hooper, but those guys were much more seasoned, much more experienced, knew what they needed to do, and obviously the the defensive game plan was simplified from, from Bob Sutton. That we assume will not be the case with Steve Spagnuolo. So, in essence... The New England Patriots only had 12 drives to the Chiefs 11 because they won the coin toss. It wasn't because of they controlled the clock with time of possession. So just keep that in mind. I think I think we've we've given the people what we can give them on this topic. You can either come with us or not. But now you have all the information. Um, uh, Seth, I know that you're working on something on the Chief of the North newsletter right now, which you can get all the links there through through Seth's Twitter um, or at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. You can check it out there. I know you're working on the uh, on, on another piece, basically just sort of uh, just sort of basking in the glow that is the Chiefs being kind of the NFL's bad guy. Um, in fact, I'll I'll say we're doing a little cross promotion. I bet we'll talk about that on uh, on Sports Radio Eight Ten tonight, mm. which I think we're still doing. I think unless you've forgotten, we'll see. It's an unusual day. Yeah, Are we still yeah, doing we'll, that? You good? We'll, we'll talk when we're not recording. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll we'll see if my joke about uh, <laughs> you being old, you know, really comes back yeah. to to bite yeah. us. But, you'd like me to um, appear on that, wouldn't you? I, well, listen. I mean, if you'd like to, if you hey, listen, I can, I can bleep the, I can have the name of your newsletter, you know, bleeped out of this show in perpetuity. So I mean, <laughs> the bleep and the bleep newsletter. That's, yeah, that, that yeah. doesn't land. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> hey, don't, don't just start googling and guessing. That's not gonna end well. Um, but, but you can check that out up in the, the chief of the chief of the North newsletter, and and, and make sure you're, you're checking that out through Seth's Twitter. Um, and then uh, Nate, I thought we would talk more about Kareem Hunt today because I know that you're working on a piece. Uh, about him a little bit. We heard a lot from Travis Kelsey on Kareem Hunt, and I think you said that the Browns are expected to to, to hear from Hunt uh, today, yes. later this afternoon. So uh, check that out in the Athletic here in the uh, in the days to come. But we're out of podcast time, and I want to know what you guys think is going to happen in this game. Chiefs thirty four, Browns twenty three. See what I'm Chiefs cover. See what I'm doing Chiefs there. See what I'm doing there. Final. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, I think. Let me hold on. Twenty thirty five. <laughs> I, I think uh, I'm just I'm doing a little math. I, I think uh, I think Chiefs forty one, um, Browns Browns twenty seven. I'm kind of feeling a little like I don't. I've already literally already forgot what Nate said. We had them covering. I'm kind of feeling a little like thirty four twenty seven. Kind of in that. In that range, just because I we're, like the Chiefs are up by by fourteen with two minutes left, and then the Browns score, and then they don't get the onside kick, and the Chiefs kneel it out. It's the reason that no one should bet on spreads. It's just not. It's just not worth it. That seems I don't. That seems terrible to be rooting for you know the the garbage time backdoor cover or not. Uh, but I I I feel I think we all feel pretty good then about the Chiefs at least being in control by at least a couple possessions late in the game. Is that fair then? You yes. guys have them winning by multiple possessions for yes. the first time mm-hmm. in a yeah, thousand years. I, I guess I'm the one that doesn't. It's the I think the Browns are a good team. I think the Browns are a good team that'll make them sweat at times, but I just, they've had 21 days to prepare. This is the real season for them. We've seen this particular iteration of the Chiefs team step up time and again when it matters. Yeah. Um. I, I just, I don't see, I think people are thinking too much about the Falcons game when they think about this game. You're gonna eat another ghost pepper. You're gonna eat two ghost peppers if they don't score thirty. Man, we we gotta finish this this bet before we can make any new ones. And oh, so, so you're not confident they're gonna score thirty? 
<laughs> uh, I remember, I'm 35. That doesn't work on me. All right, How dare listen. you also? <laughs> listen, yeah, no, not, that, I'll show that, you. That's, only, only 10 of them. I don't even care. I'll show you. I'm kidding. I'm, no. I mean, I'm, no, spot, no. I'm, spot, I'm spotting you 11 points. Hey, like, listen, listen, if you're just like not confident in like yourself or Patrick Mahomes, see, what I'm doing now, Nate, is if I make it about Patrick Mahomes, I think he might bite. Listen, if you don't think Patrick Mahomes is like good at football and Andy Reid can't score 30 points on the Browns, I mean, I get it. How dare you? <laughs> I will wait. <laughs> Uh, again, follow Seth on Twitter at RealMNChiefsFan. You can check out the Chief of the North newsletter and his piece about the Chiefs and Browns up on The Athletic right now at by Nate Taylor and the upcoming piece about Kareem Hunt and, of course, everything that Nate writes up in The Athletic. You can follow me on Twitter at JB Briscoe. Really, that's the end game for me. I just want more Twitter followers. We will be back shortly after Chiefs and Browns wrap up. Enjoy the first playoff game of the uh, of the Chiefs postseason. And hopefully we'll be back uh, to talk about a, uh, a third consecutive AFC championship game coming to Arrowhead Stadium. Nate, uh, what, what else do people need to take with them into this weekend? They just need to understand that now is the time, Tuscaloosa fan. Now is the time <laughs> to demand excellence in its highest yes. regard. You you cannot, we you simply cannot win we need to score more points than Alabama actually scored on Ohio State. So look, if you're gonna be Tuscaloosa fan, crack open all your your liquids and go all in, dog. Just just do your thing, ma'am. Just go for the gusto because um, you've been working all season for this. And and and, and if, if they don't win, I expect you to. I, I expect Tuscaloosa fans to really, really come out. <laughs> <laughs>